2: Hello Night Nation, I'm Trey Strelko from the Sons of UCF, joined by Eric Lopez of the Black and Gold Banneret. Welcome into Around the Kingdom, as I say every week. Elo, hello.
1: Trace, hello. It's been a beautiful weekend this past weekend with UCF stomping on Oklahoma State, celebrating on the field, Trace, which we're going to talk about among many topics on the fastest UCF show around.
2: We will get to that and many more topics before we get going. Let's welcome in the third member of our team, Adam Eaton from the Sons of UCF. Keeps an eye on the clock and keeps us on our toes. Adam, hello.
0: Hello. Gentlemen, sorry, I've been busy this week uh, conducting an investigation as to who was playing inside of those UCF jerseys because I didn't, I didn't recognize those guys, so investigation is ongoing. <laughs>
2: uh, well said, well said. We'll check back in with you, Adam. All right, Elo, as we predicted, as we called, as we had analyzed ahead of time, UCF 45, then number 15, Oklahoma State 3. What was your favorite part of this game? What went right for you?
1: Well, I think what went right offensively, they played their best game of the year, maybe played the best game in the John Rice Plumley era. I thought John Rice Plumley, I'm going to start with him, even though he wasn't the star of the game, but John Rice Plumley, who's kind of been maligned, played his best overall game as a quarterback as a Knight. Now, you could argue that the Tulane game last year, but that was more the athletic John Rice Plumley who just ran all over Tulane. I thought his passes were fantastic, uh, deep passes, his decision-making. I thought set the tone, which would open it up for RJ Harvey as the game went on. But I thought offensively they were clinical. And, and really, probably what Gus and Darren Hinshaw envisioned back in August. This was what we thought we would they would we would see with a, maybe a healthy John Rice plumber.
2: Well, let's talk about the other side of the ball. No one saw that coming, holding the nation's leading rusher Ollie Gordon to 25 yards. Where was this rush defense? all season long near the bottom uh, in the uh, the rankings. Uh, they were stout and uh, they're going to have another tough test this week with Texas Techs running back. But stand out to the defense also causing turnovers. There was the fumble by John Rice Plumlee, then the quick interception by Damari Henderson, and then the big 92-yard rush for touchdown by R.J. Harvey. That was a sequence that was that was one of those moments, right, where you went, "Uh oh, <laughs> the night's gonna cough Well, this you foot did away. that.
1: You did that. I, I you I were like nervous in the box. By uh, the well, I mean, that but national that rush player of the week, Damari Henderson. Yeah, yeah. who would have thought we would have a national defensive player of the week this year? That's what we did with Demar Henderson. R.J. Harvey. By the way, over two hundred yards. <laughs> I mean, this is this is the game he's going to be remembered for, and having a great career. Really happy for him. Uh, just everything clicked. Everything went right, and let's be fair, a lot of things went wrong for Oklahoma State, including they forgetting their bring in their rain gear. You know, speaks a lot, doesn't it? Uh, but now the question is, Trace, this win over Oklahoma State—a celebratory day in Bounce House. But where does this rank historically, especially in the Bounce House, Trace? Where do what do we make of this win moving forward? Solid win.
2: Uh, important win, but and when we talked about them playing close to Oklahoma, whether there was a, uh, you know, a victory in that loss, can they carry this on through the rest of the season, or was it a one-off? Now, interesting, you have an article out of the Black and Gold Banneret talking about where it now ranks. Uh, I I think you. Should have had a little bit higher, but maybe there's some recency bias in that. Uh, where'd you have it? About middle of the pack and so rank, bounce house
1: wins? I ranked it as the sixth big, uh, most memorable biggest win in the bounce house history. Behind the USF uh, win, obviously on Black Friday, the two conference championship wins against Memphis, the Tulsa championship. The That's 07. one I, I think is questionable. Kevin Smith nearly ran for over 300 yards. We never won a conference title before. That's pretty memorable. We still haven't seen that. And then Cincinnati, the Saturday night primetime game uh, on ABC, where maybe the loudest the bounce house has ever been. Here's what I would say, and I said this in the article. I think it's too early to try to put it in context. This this game is fluid because, to your point, is this a turning point for this program? Do we go off on a, where we look back a year or two from there like, hey, this is where things flipped on the Northern deal, or is this an aberration? We don't know. That will impact this game. This game could move up the rankings, if this leads to bigger things down the road. But I compared it to last year. Remember after the Cincinnati, when everybody's like, wow, that's one of the greatest wins ever, it's a blimp in the radar because they didn't win the conference title. So I think it's too early to be in the big picture. But I do think it's a top six minimum best wins in bounce house history at a minimum because everybody – Trace, I talked – when was the last time that everybody just had that much fun? UCF doesn't blow teams out like that ever against quality teams. Normally, it's got to be a nerve-wracking game. It felt weird to have the game in control for four quarters.
2: Some of those you have on the list are far more exciting. Of course, Black Friday over the Cows. Very exciting game. But from a quality perspective, this was a quality win across the board. It's hard to find negatives in the performance of UCF in this one. And for those of us, I think you're included in this, that put a little asterisk on that Cincinnati win, this is a quality Big 12 win, a legacy Big 12 program. That's what's going to make it more memorable. I think when we talk about, I think fans over the years will forget what the first Big 12 win is now with them being back-to-back Cincinnati and Oklahoma State. I think they're going to remember Oklahoma State more.
1: Agreed. I mean, that we'll get into the celebration later. Absolutely. This is the Big 12 win. This is the real Big 12 win people will remember forever. Maybe it'd be ranked higher in my rankings if, you know, they weren't colored in all blue. So. <laughs> Although we're undefeated in space jerseys now. That's not going away, Trace.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Begs the question I asked uh, as a Twitter poll this week. Is this Gus's best win? And I put it head-to-head in the poll. And, again, recency bias. But it did outpace the Gasparilla Bowl win over Florida. I think from a quality standpoint, it's certainly a quality win. But I'll tell you what. A lot of people thought that Florida win beating them was pretty important. Uh, certainly at that moment, uh, as a rival in the state and making the move to the Big Twelve. Uh, so I think it's an interesting battle there for his best win and most memorable win so far as a night.
1: Yeah, but I, this game blows the Florida game out of the water from this standpoint. Yes, Florida's from a bragging rights standpoint, but it's a bowl game. Florida was six and six. They were on an interim coach. You know, there was questions, Trace, as recently as last week. What is UCF in the Big 12? Can they contend? You know, can does, can Gus lead them there? Well, this was a resounding statement here to beat a, an Oklahoma State team that is a perennial Big 12 title contender, a, re, a, a flagship Big 12 team you're going to be going up against. This is like, okay, now we're a Big 12 team. Maybe we can't compete at this highest level. That's the that's why this is a bigger win, because I think it now a lot of people calm down a little bit. You know, the noise calms down a little bit. Now people are more optimistic. Regardless, I think, of what happens the rest of the season. People are going to be optimistic and excited moving forward about the expectations going in the big competing in the Big 12, which maybe was not the case if you would have lost this game, let's say, and not be eligible.
2: Uh, UCS fan base like most fan bases. What have you done for me lately? It's only as good as your next game. And if they carried on and become bowl eligible, which we'll talk about, then yes. But uh, there's also that recency bias attached to it. Uh, But interestingly, right, you want to see games like Florida fall down the list. Just for me, the longest amount of time, uh, UCF beating Alabama at Alabama was one of the greatest victories ever for the Knights program. And as the years go on, it moves down the list because you have other games uh, that matter more.
1: I also think this, 20 years from now, people will remember this win. They won't remember the negatives. Kind of like the Alabama game. Everybody remembers that in 2000. Nobody remembers them losing to Northern <laughs> on the road in 2000. Let me bring that up. But, of course, this season has been unique for UCF in the Big 12 trace. Of course, they beat Oklahoma State. The big question up until this point was the season would be defined by the Baylor debacle, where they blew the 28-point lead. Does this Oklahoma State win? Trace, cancel out the Baylor loss? For me, it does. Uh, I mean, we're not going to forget
2: the Baylor debacle, but
1: the quality of this
2: win, right? It wasn't a two-point on the road, last-second field goal over a Boise State team that just had its coach fired, right? It, It was a quality from start to finish win, and I think it makes up for it. Remember, you're going into this game four and five, needing to win two of the final three how it would have looked different if they had been five and four, just takes the pressure off with that Baylor game. It set them on that losing streak. For me, it cancels it
1: out. What it does is, like I said, 10, 20 years from now, you're going to think about this Oklahoma State win. Now you're still going to think about the Baylor loss, but this kind of at least softens the blow a little bit. If you don't win this Oklahoma State game, this year is only remembered by the Baylor debacle in a negative connotation. Now some you're going to have a a better taste in your mouth about year one in the Big 12. So I do think this, I think, helps offset it, but you're not eliminating completely the Baylor loss. But here's the thing. If I'm UCF, I'm selling this to season ticket holders. You never know what you're going to get if you come to the bounce house. You might see a wild, wacky game like Baylor where you blow a 25-point lead or you might blow out the 15th-ranked team. You're getting your money's worth. I don't think they're mentioning
2: that in the season ticket campaign. I I don't think they're mentioning that Baylor game. But when you do future articles, you're going to have that Baylor loss as one of the worst losses in home history, and you're going to have that Oklahoma State game as one of the best wins. So it's been a season of ups and downs, right? Five and five so far with two to go in their first year uh, in the Big 12. It's fitting that you'd have both the highest of highs and the lowest of lows in the the same season, and it will be memorable – Uh, for both. You and I had made our way down from the press box, uh, making our way to the uh, the postgame media interviews, and then we saw the crowd amass. You know, they're ready to storm the field. After announcements by PA announcer Jeff Sharon, uh, you know, let uh, the alma mater be played, let Oklahoma State leave the field. Hey, don't touch the goalpost, then proceed out orderly through the the Fifth. What, a, what? This is not storm in the field
1: or like chaos. No, it's, it's smart. <laughs> it was smart, though. I know. It's UCF negotiating, meeting the fans halfway. Uh, hey, let's go to the tunnel. Let's be safe. We don't need people jumping and you know breaking their legs and breaking property. And more importantly, from UCF and talking to people inside the department, look, they're, let's be real. There's an a, a economic standpoint to this. If they rush the field and the Oklahoma State's on the field, that's a fine. By the way they did it, they avoid a fine. The goal By having fan ones. fest
2: on the field yeah, at the but end well, of the you game. Know what?
1: If I'm a fan, that's great. You get to go onto the field after the game and celebrate with the players at John Rice Plumlee. I mean, what's it's great. I think it's actually responsible. I think more schools should do it this way when it comes to football. Instead of going chaos and breaking property and causing your school 36-figure fines. Yeah. You don't like it. You didn't like it. I can't believe you I didn't think like it. it needs
2: to be spontaneous. That's all. That's all it I'm was, saying.
1: It was responsible. Be smart.
0: It was That's responsible. All. That's it.
2: Yeah. That's all. Uh, all right. Let's bring back in Adam Time for some silliness.
0: Well, speaking of being responsible, if you're going to have a party, you guys should be responsible and hire the Sultry Spirit to help cater your next event because they will take that thing to the next level. Their bartender specializes in creative twists on classic cocktails, making every sip an un- unforgettable experience. Imagine if they had rolled out a Sultry Spirit part for that field storming. Trace. That, that would have been a boon for our friends at Sultry no, Spirit. Well, we
2: should have the field storming catered next time and just have food out there and just everything relaxed. Well, you,
0: you, Jimmy Skiles, if you're listening, follow at the Sultry Spirit or call them at 941 one five six seven seven zero six two. And not just gimme skiles all of you can call the Sultry Spirit. And if you mention that you heard about them from the Sons of UCF and around the kingdom, you'll get 10% off and a special gift. Again, 941-567-7062 7, 7, at the Sultry Spirit. All right, gentlemen, here we go. I got a, a four-pack of questions for you in the silly game this week. Eric, I'll start with you. Message board rumor season has begun. And our beloved Gus Malzahn, his name is is out there. His name is on a few message boards at some open jobs that are are happening around there. So, Eric, this one's for you. Trace, you go next. You say a fan should feel blank about Gus being mentioned for potential open jobs. Fill in the blank.
1: Used to it. That's what I would say. Go used to it because that's what's going to follow. It was always going to follow him. And as long as there's speculation about Arkansas, it's always going to be around.
2: Yeah, here we go again, and the timing of it as we get closer to the opening of the transfer portal, early signing day. Even now, in the Big 12, is UCF that stepping stone job to bigger riches in the SEC? Ah, getting used to it.
0: Yeah, more coach. I mean, Chip Kelly's rumored to be being uh, let go here at the end of the season. More coaches are going to be let go. It's going to be a really interesting time in the coaching carousel. Next one. We talked about a defensive player of the week, something we did not think we'd have this year for UCF. And it's a young player. So here's the question, Trey. I'll start with you. Who is the best young player, freshman or sophomore, that UCF has on defense right now? Who's the best young player on UCF's defense?
2: Well, Damari's got to make a case for himself, doesn't he? Uh, And I think John Walker has had a a good first season uh, along the defensive line. So I'd still go with John Walker also because I don't want to see him slip off somewhere else. I want to see him pay that man.
1: I think it is Damari. I mean, he's becoming a playmaker in that secondary. Corey Thornton has been a shutdown corner there. Quiley's helped out. Then inside, you got Lee Hunter. You got John Walker. I mean, there's some good pieces here defensively that's young, and it's growing before our eyes.
0: Malachi Lawrence, Nikai Martinez, yeah. Braden yeah. Marshall, a bunch of good options out there. Obviously, a good young core on defense, if that can uh, stay together and continue to be productive. Uh, this is more of a legacy question. Eric, I'll start with you. I-, I think you're a perfect person to ask this question to. This is true or false? RJ Harvey is the best big game running back UCF has had since Kevin Smith, true or false?
1: Wow. what It's interesting. depends what your definition of that is because obviously Adrian Killings has had some big games. The late Otis Anderson's had some big games. But you could certainly make the car argument for RJ Harvey, yes, because of what he did last year against Cincinnati, the game-winning touchdown this game against Oklahoma State. I, I think he's in that conversation for sure. Brent Harvey, now no relation, underrated. Had a monster game against Houston in 9 What about Latavius Murray? Where is he in this conversation? He's very good. He kind of split, though, with standback, which kind of hurt him a little bit. But he's not bad. Took scored the game-winning touchdown of the Liberty Bowl against Georgia, which will help. Uh, he's right up there. But I think R.G. Harvey's making a case. And depending on how he finishes his career here, I think he could try to fight for that number two that since Kevin Smith uh, role.
0: Trace, do you agree?
2: I I'm I'm, I agree on R.J. Harvey. I just would include uh, Latavius Murray in that. I think there's been there's a lot of recency bias in these conversations, and the 2017 on fans have forgotten about some of the guys from the past.
0: Yeah, I think what's interesting is a lot of those teams had a lot of uh, different running backs, two, three, four guys, you know, RJ is kind of the bell bell cow, much like Kevin Smith was back in those days. So interesting to think about. Last one for you, gentlemen, Trace, I know you were glued to the uh, University of uh, Miami UCF basketball game last Friday, Uh, uh, one that that started off pretty rough. UCF comes back. So Trace, what's the most encouraging thing you saw from the UCF Miami game this past Friday?
2: That they didn't give up and that they fought back, and I think it's a sign of things to come with the competition that they're going to face uh, in the Big 12. They they got down, but they fought back, and I like the spirit of this team so far. So uh, that's what I'm most encouraged by.
1: I like the backcourt. Jalen Sellers uh, and Mr. Darius Johnson, if they're healthy, I think they're going to be the two main scores for this team. I think Sellers is going to be fun to watch. I think this guy is going to have a heck of a year uh, may, you know, maybe the best backcourt or maybe conversations of a best backcourt with Aron with BJ and Aubrey Dawkins.
0: UCF one and one on the season Thursday nights at home versus Cal State Fullerton.
1: Well, Trace will, yeah, Trace is not going to be at that basketball game because he's going to be traveling out to Lubbock. That's UCF. well, we've
2: got Sons of UCF live, that's where I will
1: first be. Before oh, that's well, against. that's true. But how can we not look ahead to Red Raider week here, ladies and gentlemen? I know you've been looking forward to it for well, quite it's a while. Not, that's not just me. Uh, it's a lot of people that have followed this show since the opening episode when one of us already pretty much said UCF shouldn't even show up to Lubbock. Uh, let's play the clip now.
2: This is a
1: This is a definite loss. At Texas Tech,
2: a meltdown in Lubbock. That one to me is a given.
1: A given <laughs> meltdown in Lubbock. Do you stand by that, Trace? Just
2: to clarify, I'm not rooting for this meltdown, but as we saw with Oklahoma State and its bedlam win over Oklahoma and then its letdown in Orlando, I just expect the same from UCF in Lubbock. I am not sold that the performance that they had, shutting down Ollie Gordon and shutting down the run game, that they replicate on the road. Prove it to me, UCF. Go out there, become bowl eligible, get that win. But to me, this is a classic place. That UCF drops. Wow! Again. No chance. So no chance. You're sticking. No, to of it. course there's a chance, but oh, now I just no. Well, of course there's a chance that they win, uh, but Would I just don't bet. think that they Would will. Would
1: you bet? Would you, Patrick Nurse, who listens to re- listens to the show right before he was about to storm the field? Stop me. We took the yes. photo. It was great.
2: Can we put in air quotes "storm the field"? Sauntered yes. out.
1: Okay, we, we responsibly went to the field. Yeah tell have trace put his money where his mouth is I'm not a gambler Are you putting you're not gonna bet not gonna bet on this i, I am you not know, really a gambler it? i
2: just in the pool tracker for those of you who have not yet picked i did pick texas tech what? <laughs> in that game <laughs> but i picked oklahoma state too so i'm happy to be wrong about this it's gonna go one way or the other elo uh, I, I'm right. It have been right since the beginning, or <laughs> I'm going to have to hear about it. When do they play again in this new scheduling matrix, 2026? Year, I have yeah. to hear about it for a while.
1: Texas Tech probably coming off an upset win at Kansas, close scoring <gasps> game. I'm going to go opposite. Of you. I think UCF has a great chance. I think they win. I guarantee it. Trace. I'm going to go opposite of you. How <laughs> much are you willing to wager? I'll buy dinner. Let's bet dinner <laughs> on this game. Well, you owe me dinner for something anyway. That uh, you have? I don't
2: recall. Yeah. So <laughs> well, on. with a win, Elo the Knights would become bowl eligible and wouldn't need to win that final game against Houston in order to do so. So I guess you've just called it. They become bowl eligible in Lubbock, but what's interesting now they gotten themselves back in the conversation for bowl eligibility. Some of the pairings are interesting. We're going to dismiss uh, the Birmingham bowl matchup December 23, two days before Christmas against Illinois and focus on the one that's out there against South Florida, in the Gasparilla Bowl, war on I four. Are you ready for it during bowl season?
1: Yeah. Oh, Why do we have to do that? First of all, <laughs> South Florida's got to do their business there, but apparently they're five yeah. and
2: five. They've got UT San Antonio, and then they host uh, a bad Charlotte team, so they got a chance well, they to pick get... up a six win what in that last
1: it? week. This is the problem. This is why I don't like bogus. By the way, did you miss doing boat projections? Because it's been a while since you posted anything. So you, you're you <laughs> to be a, like Christmas UCF morning. fell out of it for five weeks. I didn't have to post anything. Um, I, if I'm UCF, I don't bother. Like, thanks, but no thanks. Give me, <laughs> give me something else. What are you going to prove playing USF again? There's nothing to prove there. Why are we getting, you know. Granted, we go to Tampa. It's like another home game, you know. Granted that, but come on, let's play a real team. Let's not like at least Birmingham. You're playing a Big Ten team in Illinois. I mean, look, there's not going to be great options if you're six and six or seven and five, unfortunately. But I, I mean, this is not you know South Florida. We've moved. We're past that, I, I think. Who isn't that the excited?
2: argument that the Gators had a couple of seasons ago uh, in playing the Gasparilla? All right, break.
1: baby, we're now in the chair where we can kind of downplay the ball. <laughs> it's like you say, I'm no longer bashing the, the playoff cartel. I know, I've heard you say, call them by the cartel
2: there. Yeah. <laughs> UCF's now part of it. By the way, if it's only a 6-6 six and six record, they might find themselves in their own backyard in the Cure Bowl, which might also set up a matchup with South Florida. Seven wins, they'll play themselves out of the Cure Bowl, but don't forget... ESPN and uh, has a big say in this. They like the storylines. They like the matchups.
1: Cure uh, now the Cure Bowl be cool. It it'll be unique huh? because basically be a d- another home game. You treat it like a d- an extra seventh home game. So I actually think fans would be uh, fired up about that, regardless of the opponents uh, on that one. Now, of course. UCF not in the mix for the Big 12 title race, unfortunately. Boy, everybody one else a few says, teams. <laughs> one of the few. Everybody else is. There's controversy about tiebreakers, which the Big 12 has to address now and clarify. Apparently, uh, as early as Wednesday. Uh, Texas winning, Oklahoma State losing, but still in the mix. Oklahoma. Uh, boy, this could be what, what things to come in the Big 12 race. And this is the exciting thing about the Big 12 is it's an unpredictable league for years. And we're seeing a sample of it here in year one that we're in it. Well, for so many weeks, we talked about it was going to be Texas and Oklahoma, and then Oklahoma fell
2: back a little bit. Still looks like Texas is for sure going to be in there, right? But then the battle for second. Still got to like Oklahoma State's chances, right? They got a tiebreaker over Oklahoma. They finished with Houston and BYU. To me, that one. By the way, if I was gambling, I'd put it a lot on Oklahoma State to defeat Houston. They are going to be mad. They are going to be mad and take it out on Houston End Houston season because Houston's four and six. You don't want Houston to get a win, need a win to beat uh, UCF on that uh, senior night home finale. So I think Oklahoma State plays themselves back in. Kansas State, it's exciting though, right? I don't even think of it as parody. I just think of it as good quality football
1: week in and week out. I wouldn't put Texas just in yet. They got to play Iowa State and Ames. Matt Campbell's pulled upsets, but quietly he's done a heck of a job turning around Iowa State this year. Remember they lost to Ohio like way back? They were like, oh, they're terrible. They're still in the mix. That's why he's regarded as one of the best coaches. I'm curious how Texas performs on the road there. Uh, The Houston thing is interesting what you bring up from a UCF standpoint because if if Houston loses to Oklahoma State and is mathematically eliminated from bowl eligibility, are they even going to show up? to orlando is dana hogerson gonna be allowed to he the play? yeah like, i mean there might not be much to your point so even if ucf loses to texas tech uh, i think they got a safety net there to kick that sixth win against houston so that could play a factor and then ou at byu how would you feel if you're a byu fan a home game at 10 a.m you're local
2: Ooh. yeah that is terrible 10 a.m. Well, UCF will not be competing for a big 12 championship, but the men's soccer team at UCF might be competing for an NCAA championship. They found out 12 seed in the NCAA tournament, which seems very low means they host a game on Sunday at the UCF soccer complex. Could this team go all the way?
1: Well, the, the road has gotten harder by the 12 seed because basically they get a bye in the first round. Assuming they win their second round match, which we don't know their opponent yet, it'll be the winner of the uh, Vermont match against Ryder. They should be heavy favorites to win the second round. But potentially now, if they win, they would go on the road to Morgantown with West Virginia being the five seed, which means is probably gonna have to play in Morgantown, West Virginia in late November, December weather. Good luck. Look, it goes back to the Sunbelt Tournament it was awful for UCF. That South Carolina loss cost them a top 8 seed. Uh that was a killer. I think if they don't even if, if they win that game, they're a top 8 seed at minimum. Maybe they would have been higher. They have a chance. The good news is they've had time to recover and regroup. You were there, you talked to coach Calabrese. They're going to be upbeat. They have some experienced players. So anything's possible when it comes to men's soccer in the postseason.
2: Well, it's something that, you know, following uh, men's soccer, Coach Calabrese doesn't like to sub out a lot of guys, likes to keep his guys out there. Maybe there's some tired legs, no excuses. They did not play well uh, down the stretch after getting that number one ranking, right, in the country. But that was territory they're not used to. They've been there. They've been humbled. They have some rest. They were going to have to beat teams like West Virginia anyway. When you get to this level, right, anybody can beat anybody. As Coach Calabrese said, who makes a mistake? Who capitalizes on that mistake? And that is a lot of times what soccer is about. It's it's just a moment, a lapse. And You saw that play out in UCF's two losses towards the end. It's just a moment. You let down for just a little bit. And the other team, a quality team,
1: capitalizes. Hey, but listen, you, maybe West Virginia gets knocked off. You got a chance to host all of a sudden. But it, they, they've got to clean up some things defensively. Uh, by the way, three teams in the top 12 seeds from the Sun Belt. Marshall, the number one overall seed. So that's good news from a UCF men's soccer going forward as far as the Sunbelt. Good year for the league. Other news in the Olympic sports. Volleyball, believe it or not, having their senior day. This Saturday, time flies. They will host defending national champions, Texas.
2: <laughs> Doesn't get no. any
1: easier for them, does it? Five-game losing streak. A five-match losing streak uh, for volleyball. Softball hosted Florida and Fall Ball Sunday. In front of nearly 1,200 to 1,500 at the Plex. Women's hoops continuing their season. They're two and zero in their young season. What stands out to you about the other Olympic sports, Trace? Well,
2: the volleyball just needed a couple more wins and just has three left on the schedule. And you talked about it needed nineteen, probably twenty, and now they got to sweep uh, down the stretch. They got to win the last three. They got to beat Texas. That is a tough road for them. Disappointing that they were on the cusp here uh, of being able to get to an NCAA term. I'm not counting them out, but I think the road there is tough now.
1: Yeah, their RPI is in the low 60s. Uh, it's going to take a miracle to win. I mean, they would have to upset Texas, maybe split the road. Uh, it's going to be tough. They go to Kansas and Iowa State. That's going to be tough. Look, it's a young group. Jenny Mauer, it's a rebuilding year. Look, if I was the incumbent head coach coming into this team this season, playing that Big 12 schedule, I would have looked for a pro volleyball job myself. But um, oh, nonetheless, hopefully you, they learn from this rough spot here, playing this gauntlet of the Big 12 moving forward to next year. We'll see. It should be a, a record crowd at Texas. My big takeaway, I was at Sunday's fall. I know it's a shocker. I was at fall ball on Sunday. Over fi- at least 1,200 to 1,500. The reason we don't have an official number is they don't count numbers in fall ball. But there was fans sitting in the seats. They were sitting in the floor. They were sitting in the stairs. There was no space trace. And while that was exciting, it was an incredible environment. Left to right out, uh, field was packed. I thought to myself, "My goodness, what are we going to do when Oklahoma and Texas comes here? Mm. Facility-wise, we can't run it. It's bring not bring in those school. extra bleachers like they had during the NCAA tournament. Well, they're going to have to do that, and much more. And then there's the whole shade situation for early afternoon games. I I really wish that we could have done more. I understand it's money and it's not easy, but I do worry. This you got to pay game. Gus, Elo. You got to pay Gus. There's, well, no, there's no dollars for shade." Well, we need we they need a massive renovations for softball. If they want to be a serious a contender in the Big Twelve in, down the road, they have to renovate that place because you're otherwise you're giving up money. We could have made a fortune with the, these crowds. It's become huge. I don't know where you're gonna sit, Trace, for OU or Texas. Maybe you're gonna. Uh, sit, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Let's bring back in Adam. Adam, what we get right, get wrong, and all that good stuff.
0: Some fun facts. We talked about the rush defense. The last five games for UCF on rush defense, they give up three ninety nine, one eighty nine. 286, 248, and 52, the lowest of the season. Who would have saw that coming? Gus Malzahn, 23 and 14 all-time at UCF, just as we're talking about his best victories. You mentioned Texas Tech, and they have a running back, Taj Brooks, 1,166 yards in the season, eight touchdowns already. It doesn't get any easier there. I'd really like you to take back your slander about the Birmingham Bowl. Did you both know that our beloved cows are three and zero in the Birmingham Bowl, have never lost, including back to back titles in 2016 and 2017? They have won the most ever Birmingham Bowl championship. So I think that slander is uncalled for. And I see next up, Trace. You're going to talk about FS2. Just a quick update in case you're looking at your local listings. 11 p.m. on Tuesday evening, you can catch the climbing post action from Lead and Speed Climbing from Wuhan, China.
2: Uh, which brings me right to drag racing, poker, horse racing, smattering of soccer and college ba- basketball games, and ELO, UCF at Texas Tech. Not on FS1, on FS2. I didn't even know I had it. <laughs> I had to look for it. And I started scrolling through the week, and I saw these sports uh, featured. Boy, oh, boy. How do you end up on that channel?
1: It's called... Uh Running out of space, no bye weeks and yeah, not really big in the national landscape. But hey, at least we're not getting Eric
2: Collins and Devin Gardner this time. (laughs) Will people be getting out of their living room to call this one? Uh, Uh, Look for new episodes midweek, every week. You'll find us on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel. The audio drops later on the Sons podcast feed. We thank uh, Adam Eaton for being a part of this one as well. You, Eric Lopez, and we thank you for joining us for this week's Around the Kingdom.